It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> so I just wanted to start off the show before we get into all the club action with a little bit of personal news. Um... I announced on Twitter on Saturday that I'm leaving Sports Joe and I'm leaving the GER. So I know a lot of you uh, listeners aren't even on Twitter and I know a lot of you listeners don't follow me on Twitter either for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, so I'll come as news um, to you guys now. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that listened to the show. I think we've 13 million listens since I started five and a half years ago. So the show has become absolutely massive and that's thanks to you guys uh, taking your time out to listen to it. So I really, really appreciate it. And I'll be back in January uh, doing my own thing. So um, that's about all I'm going to say about that. On to the club were, action. You were, tre- you were trending on Twitter at one stage, Wally. Was it? it was a bit like, I, I actually logged on and seen Wally trending on Twitter and it was like, uh, like Cristiano Ronaldo signing for United or something. <laughs> no, it, was, uh, now, it was a big news. To be, on, to be honest with you, I was taken aback by the reaction that I was leaving and the love people have for the show. I couldn't believe it because usually I get an awful lot of abuse on Twitter and sometimes you'd even doubt whether the show's popular, whether you're, po- I don't know, like, I mean, but the, the response on Twitter was uh, overwhelmingly positive um, and that was very humbling, I have to say. But anyways, listen, enough about that because there's an awful lot of club action. There is no doubt in anyone's mind who the best club team in Kerry is at the moment. So we've three times Austin Stacks, uh, club champions, and now they're county champions. And on the way to being county champions to beat East Kerry, who were double county champions and they beat their rivals in the county final Cairns O'Ratley's not the greatest on the eye I have to keep qualifying this but like I mean by far the best team in Kerry this year there's zero doubt about that now Yeah sure I remember you saying on the show earlier this year that someone had messaged you that said nobody in Kerry cares about that, that club championship so I'd say it was something that Austin Stacks like having won the last three clubs they were definitely eager like you know to win the, the one that really matters like and uh She's the like it, it yeah it wasn't it wasn't the greatest spectacle but I suppose the whole occasion like it was such a huge occasion wasn't it and you seen that in Tralee before the game in fairness to them they, they by all accounts were the better team all along as they have been in fairness the whole way through the championship so um definitely a, a deserved win for Austin Stacks yeah by 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 all accounts like this game obviously was on television but they were twelve six up Lee and like I mean they were coasting Kearns and Ratley's it has to be said. Um, they lost David um, they lost David Moran after six minutes to a groin injury like I mean and, and because they lost David Moran to a groin injury Tommy Walsh couldn't play full forward he went out midfield now that's a huge huge loss they lost Gavin O'Brien their big tall rangy wing forward who'd be a kick out option as well he, he did his hamstring in the warm up like I mean take out a very a top class wing forward and one of the best midfielders in the country a terrible bit of bad luck for Cairns and Rattleys, it has to be said 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't want to be starting any game, let alone a county final, having to put out fires pretty much straight from the off, you know. Um, Gavin O'Brien tweaking his hamstring in the warm-up, whether that's to do with the weather or whatever else. It's just it's just down to pure bad luck. But one of the main things was the fact that, yeah, David Moran coming off and Tommy Welsh had to be moved into midfield. He's obviously more than capable there. It just means that they miss his presence in the full forward line. And it meant that Austin Stacks could put a lot of their focus on Connor Hayes, who kept him fairly quiet as well. I think later on... Um, Walsh was moved back into the full forward line and yeah. he was causing a lot of threat there. And they, they did sort of close the gap. Like there was only a score in it in the end. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't a, a spectacle to watch in terms of entertainment, but any Austin Stacks fan who was there would probably tell you it was the greatest game they ever saw. Well, that's the thing. They got the county title back in the 13 now, which is equal to Dr. Croaks. And, you know, like, I mean, they hadn't won it since 2014, but how long more will Austin Stacks, the traditional club that they are, why is it every game Austin Stacks are in is, is horrible? Like, I mean, how how much, like, obviously there was great scenes after the match, great scenes before the match too. We know the Austin Stacks fans are fantastic. They marched through Tralee. You've seen some pictures um, of this. I actually think this should be something that's done in every county in the country where the county grounds is in the middle, in the, t- in the main town usually, you know. Start in the town, march your whole, every, arrange to meet all the children from the club, all the, all the adults, march up to the ground in one big group. And then get into a section of the stand that's, you know, your group and the other supporters do the same. I think it would add massively to the sense of occasion and, you know, the whole excitement around the county final. Children would love it now. It looked like some crack there yesterday, in fairness. And there was a video of um, the Austin Saxes. They were heading up to the pitch and there was a lad, there was a few lads playing playing the drums and there was other lads shouting, come on, the rock, like, and they'd chant scone and yeah. everything like that. Like, and it did. It looked uh, brilliant. I suppose the fact that it was an all Tralee derby and those clubs, you know, they're so close together and they hadn't played yeah. each other in a final in so long. That added to that excitement. Like, and But you could do it you no could. matter who it is. You're just mar- it doesn't have to be your own town you're marching through. Like in Leash, you start in Port Leash, you know the walk from Port Leash up to the ground, Turles, mm-hmm. lovely walk up that hill, a famous kind of hill. Wouldn't it be great? Like every county can do this. Oh, it definitely. Yeah, no, it would be it would be a great thing to do. I suppose it was just extra special for Austin Stacks yesterday that I think they're they're known as the Rockies and that was Rock Street they were marching yeah, through true. and it's such I suppose a long tradition with that club, but definitely would be a, a great thing to do. It kinda gets the supporters going and sets the scene for the game then. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Tommy Walsh going in full forward towards the end. So that, like we said, it was obviously 12-6. Um, Kearns Ratley's got it back to 12-9. Now Tommy Walsh is in full forward. It's desperation stakes towards the end. Who goes in to mark him? The other twin tower, Kieran Donaghy, to put a bit of manners on Tommy Walsh. So that would have been nice to watch towards the end. I think there was one kind of last hopeful diagonal ball that went in and Donaghy was able to shepherd it wide or whatever. He was able to block Tommy Walsh from getting at least. So that kind of, you know, it would have added to the drama, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of narrative beforehand about, you know, the twin towers. Each team has one tower in the full forward lane, basically coming up against each other. Uh, 13 years ago, they were the the key pairing for Kerry, dominating defences all over the country. country and now... You know, they're playing against each other in this ultra league final. You know, like it's, it's, that was part of the spectacle. And I'm sure fans were delighted to see them get in close to each other. But uh, Kieran Donaghy got the, the better off him in the end. Yeah, no, he definitely did. The, the Austin Stacks manager, Wayne Quinlan, said after the game, he said, this is a dream come true. And I always thought you kind of say this as a, as a bit of a joke without actually saying it, being serious. He says, I sound like John Milan now when I was going to say, I love my club. You cut me open, I bleed black and amber. <laughs> like, I often say, Jesus, I bleed green and white. But I'd be like, I'd kind of be messing. Does anyone say that seriously, uh, Niall? Or am I, maybe he was saying it joking. I'm just reading quotes. I don't think he was joking because he was reading the <laughs> same article and <laughs> apparently he had to compose himself. He had kind of tears streaming down his face as he was given that... Um, that speech, but uh, yeah, if you cut me open, it bleeds black and amber. It's not something that you'd say. Do you bleed, do you bleed blue and white in Laura? Jeez, oh, I suppose I'll have to say I do now, or I'll be, I'll be shocked. I kind of think you'd say it about someone else rather than you'd never really say it about yeah. yourself, kind of thing, Lee. Am I? Is that kind of ha- the right way to kind of look at it? Yeah, I mean, I've had more clubs than Tiger Woods, like, so I can't really say it. <laughs> I played lots of different colours. Uh, it definitely is, yeah, it's sort of like we say it, you know, as journalists when we're talking about these sort of diehard um, players who've been stalwarts for their club. You know, it's a, it's a phrase in that sense, but to go out and say it yourself, but uh, we'll just forgive him saying it was all to do with the emotion and the occasion <laughs> and, and uh, we'll put it down to that because it's... Uh, 
It's a strange one. Yeah, self-praise is no praise as well, right? Isn't that it? It's kind of it. Well, look, anyways, listen, maybe we're, we're overanalyzing the, the whole thing. St. Thomas has won four in a row in Galway. Now, just to put this into context, right? So, number one, a great Portlaoise man, Tommy Fitzgerald, is training them. And I never knew that last Thursday. So, that's two Portlaoise men, Pat Ryan and Tommy Fitzgerald. I owe apologies to. I forgot Pat Ryan won a county title with Rathvilly and never even gave that a mention until the following Thursday. And Tommy Fitzgerald, who's a good friend of mine, um, is is coaching St. Thomas's to a four in a row. And I never mentioned that last Thursday. So then, look, I don't know what I'm just not around the pubs enough. I think I don't hear these. I don't hear this stuff um, anymore. Just to put a bit of context on what St. Thomas's have done here. All right. So the great Portumna team, a great team that Damien Hayes uh, was on. They never won four in a row. It's never been done since the 1960s. Portumna won four All-Ireland clubs. They never won four in a row in Galway. The great Atten Rye team of the 90s, they won eight county titles in 11 years. They won four or five or three All-Ireland clubs, 97, yeah. 01, 00 and 01. Um, they never won four in a row. They won a three in a row. The great Sarsfields team, they never won a four in a row. They won three in a row. Like, I mean, you know, I, d- I think this can be underestimated maybe because Thomas's haven't been going too well maybe on the on the national stage in recent years now. Yeah, but they've won, like, they've won five in the last six years in Galway yeah. as well, like, you know, and they've they won another one as well, their first ever in 2012. And, like, it, like they, won, they won the All-Ireland won Club the All-Ireland that year. 13, and, like, yeah. that was obviously, like, a tremendous year for them and... I remember all, all the Burke boys were involved in that and there's still a lot of them going there today. Kenneth, he was playing that day and he was the manager yesterday. Like, And I suppose it's just maybe the fact, yeah, like they have they have suffered beatings. Like they were well beaten by Ballyhale and Bursley beat them two years ago as well. And just haven't really kind of, haven't really shown, I suppose, what they're capable of when they got to the All-Ireland club stages. But Ballier like, beat them too, didn't they, in a really exciting game? Do you remember? Oh, Ballier were beating them well and Thomas's came back but ran out of time. Do you oh, remember yeah, that? and Turles that I day. Yeah, that exactly. Turles, yeah. And, yeah, they just haven't really in the last few years, but I suppose in, in Galway, they've just been fairly untouchable. Like, you always hear of like, Turles Is the standard Moore. dropped in Galway the, to what it, it used to be? Like, I suppose were, it must Lock have. Ray like were able to come, come along and beat Portumna. And beat the shit out of them. Yeah. <laughs> but then they got to an all-around club final. Is there anyone in Galway capable of doing well, that? Well, the talk was like, and Turlock Moore got to the final last year, that they were the common team and they've been very good underage as well in the last few years. But Thomas has beat them, beat them fairly comfortably last year in the final. Turlock Moore beaten this year in like the last 16. So we were talking about Clarence Bridge last week. Like they obviously, they're a common team as well and they're a very young team and they didn't, didn't do too badly at all in the final. Like they ran Thomas's all the way. But St. Thomas has just have that extra bit in hand. And I suppose, like, you're kind of looking to see, is it young lads coming on? And there, there are a few lo- young lads, like Oshin Flannery is their corner full forward. And he's a good player who's been playing for Galway under-20 teams. But it still is those main lads. Do you yeah. know, like it is. It's Connor Cooney. Like, he, he scored, I was counting it up this morning, he scored 3.37 between the quarter-final, semi-final and the final, like... Right. This year, and I know they gave two hidings in the quarterfinal and the semi-final, but like that's because he hasn't been on fire for Galway really in the last few years. But he's always done it for Thomas's. Like James Regan, he he's been playing for Galway, f- or he played for Galway about seven or eight years ago. Like he's doing the business. David Burke is still there, and they just if Shane Cooney, Finton Burke, the yeah. Aina Burke, like they've a lot of strength and depth, and it's hard to keep them all out. Like it is Kenneth Burke, like you said, is the manager. He took over from Kevin Lally who was the manager but Kevin Lally's gone in with Henry Shefflin who was sitting in the stand watching this so Conor Cooney be feeling very very good this morning he scored five from play in front of um, Henry Shefflin in a county final um, so I've been telling everybody on the show here um, for the last couple of months I'd say how good Port Harlington are and they proved it yesterday by beating another very good team in St. Lomans and Robbie Piggott who had the job of following John Heslin around Moor Park uh, joins us on the line now how's it going Robbie? Well, Wally, how's the farm? How are you keeping? Not too bad, not too bad. How come you always get these hard jobs? Oh, I don't know. I, I always seem to get them. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, what, what was it like, Mark and John? Like, I mean, you, you, you were just given the job of tracking them everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure. I would have marked John twice before there. Uh, well, he's obviously an unbelievable player, so I knew I was going to have my hands full. So we, we had a good old battle, plenty of back and forth. And... Uh, Ash was it's all a bit of crack, you know. No more, you know that no more than yourself. So, uh, and at the end of the game, you know, 
no loves lost, shake hands, move on, win or lose. So uh, happy enough now. Yeah, you were both well able for the rough and tumble. Like it was a, it was a, it was an intense kind of a game. Like I mean, Paddy O'Sullivan was getting blackguarded every time he made a run. Yeah, yeah. No, we we kind of we knew the the intensity, especially when we we would have played them in the couple of challenge matches there before. We we knew that they were going to bring a serious level of intensity. So uh, um, that was definitely to be expected. And uh, I'm sure it made for a good spectacle as well. No, it was a, it was a brilliant game, um, a brilliant game to watch. It was a huge win for you because, like, I mean, obviously in Leash you're very well respected, um, and we all we all know about you in Leash. But like, when you go to the Leinster club, the whole country kind of takes notice at that stage. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I suppose this has kind of been, well, from our part, been coming for a while. You know, we've kind of we have we had a really good crop of players there ourselves. We would have won the minor there in, in 2014, and then we went on to win 221. So we're kind of only we're getting the the uh, kind of where we want to be. Anyways, now we're kind of coming to the age or whatever. Um, keep racking his actually minor team that they were they won it in 2009. There's actually only one player from that team that kind of this is himself and maybe one more that's still going from that minor team so our kind of minors we all kind of stuck together which was great and uh it's really after coming to fruition there now. That's the thing, like, I mean, we've been waiting for you to come along because we know you had good minors in under-21s and I lived in Port Harrington maybe five or six years ago and Shaggy Levy was looking for me to transfer to Port Harrington. He says, wait and you see the young lads yeah. we have in this club. And I've been looking to see you and it took you long enough to bloody make the breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, no, the, like I said, uh, the work that they do in the club at, at juvenile level has just been... Has been unbelievable, so it has, um, and yeah, it's really, it's really starting to pay off now. Thank God. So, like, I mean, what is is? Would you put the the kind of getting over the line? Because I know three or four years ago you had Portlaoise beaten until they rallied in the second half and the beachy. And like, is Martin Murphy your manager, who's you know obviously got a lot of experience winning county titles? Is that was that kind of the, I don't know, the 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 spark that she needed? Yeah, well, I I think even on that match. Uh, Against Portlaoise when they came up, came back against us. I honestly think that that match was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to us in the sense that you know we learned so much from that match and uh, we, we really kicked on from then. That was the last match that that we've that we've lost. Um, and from Martin, uh, Martin, he's done a, he's done a great job since coming in. You know, he's exactly what we needed. Um, you know, t- very honest, he takes no crap. Really, kind of just sets the standard and. No, we're delighted to have him and hopefully he's around for a good bit longer, you know. Yeah, so I suppose he's tough on the discipline side. I think a few of you went away to on holidays after a league after a league final and he dropped you then for the first round of the championship. I'm not including you in that now, Robbie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know, I think that was, that well, was the plan anyways, just to give other boys kind of a, a run or give them their opportunity as well, but I'm, I'm sure... Uh, Heading away probably didn't help either, you know. Yeah, well, that was it. You when you won the you won this year last year's county final this year, and then you had a league final two weeks later, and he only put yeah. out half a team in that, was it? Yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, uh, we we got the win, and then anyway, so we we can't complain. No, can't complain too much. So so you went one six to a pint up after I think it was only about fifteen minutes after ten minutes, a bit similar to what you did to Port Leash, and then Lomans incredibly got it back to a goal, and they got a goal in the second half, and then they went one up. Now they're a very experienced team, you know. Like I mean, they they should be Leinster champions two or three years ago. Only Moorfield came back uh, in in injury time. Like you could e- easily have dropped your heads at that stage. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I feel like probably poor teams in the past would have kicked the puck at that stage uh, after after being up for so long, and then them coming back, we we easily could have dropped the heads with the black card we had and our keeper going off. So really, everyone rallying together just was was really unbelievable, and there was no way we were we were uh, missing out on a chance in Croker, you know. Um, fairy tale stuff so it is yeah Where do you, do you like I mean in, in the build up to the game like you, you obviously wouldn't be looking ahead to Croker but it's a huge kind of reward now like I mean a Leinster semi-final I don't, I don't think this has ever happened before no uh, no we were just saying I think none of the Leinster finals prior were, were even ever played in Crowbar so it's an unbelievable incentive for us um, and we'll, we'll like as we were saying we're, we're not going up there to 
for a day out, we're going up there to get results, simple as that. And we're, I'm sure the other three teams in the semi-finals are going to take it from that perspective as well, you know. Yeah, so it's Kilmacud Crokes now. There's definitely going to be a clash of jerseys. They clashed jerseys with uh, Wolf Tones yesterday. So you might have to go a green jersey with a with a wine uh, sash, which might look a bit cool. Yeah, yeah. We have a set of green jerseys there, actually. They're lovely. So uh, I never thought of that, actually. So that would be... That'll be good. Yeah, exactly. Come here, listen. Uh, a little birdie tells me you're the only man from Port committing to Leash next year. Uh, I don't know about that now. Uh, I don't know what birdies you're hearing from. <laughs> <laughs> but I know I think there's a couple, couple of even the younger boys there that were uh, that were asked in. Uh, a couple of the boys in the full back line and that. I think they're they're definitely going in anyways. And Paddy's going to be there. Uh, so we'll. I think the rest of the boys that. Probably just assess assess it as we as we go on and uh, see see how we get on in this and then and then have a look at it. But um, it'd be great for it'd be great for Billy, I'm sure, to have as many poor boys in there as he wants. There, there's every single one of them. I feel like it's good enough to put their hand up for a jersey. So they're 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 a great bunch of players. So they're in fairness. And one one thing that impresses me about Port Arlington, and I've seen you a, um, a few times, is is the style of football. And I don't know how important that is to you. Like, I mean, you leave plenty. Your full forward line always stays up. You know, Coffee always tried to hold the forty-five, and your wing forwards work. But you're always trying to move the ball up the field at pace. You know, if Paddy O'Sullivan gets the ball, he's eighty percent chance he's going to kick it, or else he'll go on a big run. You know, you're 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 doing everything at pace and direct. You know, you see a lot of club games at the moment. That a lot of it can be lateral and sideways. You're not like that at all. Yeah, no, I think we've plenty of pace all over the pitch, and even man for man in our in our backs, we're we're very comfortable man for man, and uh, kind of gives us that license to to go forward and attack, move the ball, fast transition football, and yeah, it makes good for a good spectacle and. Like you said, Coffee holds the half-forward line pretty well. We try and always keep four forwards up in their half of the pitch, um, and then and then break, break, yeah. Yeah, and what like I mean, you do like I mean, you're not trying to drop loads of players back behind the ball. Like I mean, and is is Martin Murphy happy for you? Like John Cattle Bennett was outstanding yesterday. Shane Dempsey ended up getting taken off. He was beating him for balls. Like is he, he he's happy for you to say here? Look, try and just beat your man out to the ball. Like like it's nearly like old school football. Yeah. Um, oh, we 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 work pretty much on our kind of zone defence and and stuff like that. But man for man, like you said, Carl Bennett had an absolute unbelievable game yesterday. Like he's still under twenty, so he is, and he he's he's just phenomenal. So he is. Um, he's the best cornerback now I've I've ever played with. He's just he's just unbelievable. So he's he's the best reader of the game. Um. I see now he's just he's, he's for his age he's unbelievable he's a, just a small little fella like uh, Joe Higgins hopefully your Kilmacud yeah. game uh, will be on the television and people will be able to see see you playing before I let you go like I mean with, with Leash you're in Division 3 now this year so it's looking like Talton Cup unless we get to the Leinster final like what are your thoughts on, on the Talton Cup like we celebrated winning Division 4 and Division 3 leagues I don't see why we wouldn't be you know looking forward to the Talton Cup yeah um yeah, I, I suppose Leash obviously that they're obviously I'm sure their main aim for, for the year will try to be go get out of Division Three, get back up into Division Two. Um, yeah, I say for a lot of lads, maybe the proposal B not going through was was pretty disappointing, um, especially for maybe those teams who are kind of um, on the brink of Division Three and Division Two that you would that you would be looking to, you know. Competing the All Ireland series, so um, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. But for those kind of middle, middle, even Division Three, Division uh, Four, and Division Two teams, I feel like their main <clears throat> main objective is is the league at the moment. That's their main priority, um, and that'll be a big focus, I'm sure, for for Billy for the year. Yeah, yeah. Geez, I'm being unfair on yourself and Billy. I'm almost have have you down for not getting out of Division Three. If you get out of Division Three and get to Division Two, then you won't be in the Salton Cup. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Need, I needed to check about that. Listen, Robbie, I know you're on your lunch break. I've taken up enough of your time. Um, thanks very much for taking the call. No worries. Thanks, well, thanks, well. Yeah, good stuff from Robbie there. There's nothing that that's not to like about Port Arlington. The home of Huey Emerson. They play great football. They're young, they're fast, they're, they're exciting. They have a sash. Like, I mean, <laughs> what more do you want? Yeah, I, I would have won you over at the sash in Huey Emerson.
It well, didn't yeah. even have to be very good to watch. The sash was the the game changer for me there. I have to say now. Uh, I seen the jersey yesterday. It's maroon. Is it a green sash going down? It's maroon the, with a green sash. And just like Robbie was saying, there it looks like I was saying to Robbie that could, that could clash with Kilmacud Croaks. Um, they have an, in reserve a green jersey with a maroon with a wine with a wine sash. Jesus, I beautiful. Hope it, I, hope it I want clash. to be. <laughs> I want to be sent one of these one of these uh, jerseys. Obviously, Kilmacud Croaks. Lee, I wouldn't say overly impressive yesterday. Again, back to that man. It's hard to talk about Kilmacud Croaks without talking about Paul Mannion. Like he scored five from play. Um, four of them were outside 40 metres which I thought was very very interesting like if he's playing with Dublin he's probably not kicking from there because you know it's too high a, you know the, the the percentage chance of scoring it is too high so Dublin generally work it towards the top of the D so you know like maybe he's just enjoying the freedom of being able to shoot whenever bloody hell he wants Yeah it was an absolutely frightening form yesterday to be fair to him um, some of them scores were just fantastic and then his passing as well was just outrageous and he set up the goal early on too with like a a defence splitting pass, you know, just getting the head up and being able to to work his magic from centre half forward is, is great to watch. But yeah, it's definitely a point, a good point you made there about Dublin, like especially under Desi Farrell this year. You know, Dublin they ha- they hold on to the ball for a painfully long time and they're constantly working about getting into this what they call a scoring zone. You got to get it into the scoring zone and pass to the shooters. These are the phrases that you hear, um, and they'll hold on to it forever and for dear life until they're into that zone, and then that's when it is acceptable to shoot. But someone like Paul Mannion, you know, he has it in his locker that he can take it a little bit further out than what would be a typical scoring zone, obviously. And he does it for the club and it's it's getting easier and easier to see why he enjoys playing for them more than for his county. Yeah, his scoring zone is that little bit uh, wider than maybe what Dublin won. But maybe Dublin are going to change next year and play, go back to maybe more of a an, an exciting uh, brand of football. You, uh, Lee mentioned the goal there. Like, I mean, this is Ben Shovelin. Um, like this was the greatest this was the greatest fluke I've ever seen ever on a field because this man did not know anything about this I'm convinced this is the greatest fluke like he shot the goalkeeper saved it it parried back out to him the momentum of the shot he fell over and as he kind of did the roly-poly on the ground it hit his heels and when he got up off the ground, it says the most surprised person in the whole of Navigo. How the hell did that <laughs> that ended in the net? Yeah, he ran away from it, from it as if he was he, yeah, if he right. knew what he was yeah. doing. Like he was kind of he had he had a bit of confidence about him, like, and he was kind of going on celebrating, like. But he definitely hadn't a clue what was Couldn't going have, on like, because he fell fell on the ground, and as he was falling, he kind of gave it. It flicked off the back of his heel. Of his heel, like, yeah. but yeah. the power got into the net. Then it went flying into the corner. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it, to be honest. Like. Yeah, as the old, as the old stock chief, I said, Jesus, if they did that in the Premier League now, if Messi did that, we would <laughs> never hear the end of it. But it, Lee, I don't know, what do you think, Lee? Was like a fluke, surely to God? He hadn't a clue about that, no. goal, for sure. Because um, lo- he would have lost sight of it, first of all, when he took the shot and it ricocheted off. He wouldn't have known where the ball was because he'd already turned his back to goal and it fell just beautifully onto his heel for a sort of <laughs> scorpion kick volley like and into the top corner. Like I mean, it was outrageous. But here, he's absolutely right. I would have got up and pretended like I knew all about it and claimed it for dear life. But uh, take that secret to the grave, although I don't think many people will believe him. <laughs> yeah, here's an interesting one. Uh, uh, Michal McDermott, the, the Wolf Tones manager after the game, he says, we talked about having a home venue for today. Looking at the Dublin County final, no disrespect to Parnell Park, but we felt it as much of an advantage to Kilmacud Croaks down here today to play on a surface like that. And they took full value at the quality um, of the venue. I would be surprised if like, the manager's in a meeting with Wolf Tone saying what an advantage an Avon is going to be to Kilmacud Crooks. Would he not be leaning on, you know, we're at home. Like, nobody likes coming to Navin. Nobody. I don't give a shit about the nice pitch. But they're coming to Navin. And we're, you know, we're the Wolf Tones and they're not going to come in here. Imagine taking that whole kind of motivation kind of speech away by saying, She's, this, this home pitch of ours is going to suit Kilmacud Crooks an awful lot here, lads. <laughs> it sounds like he was kind of calling his own lads sort of mullickers by saying that, wasn't he? Like a little bit, know, yeah. Kind of like the. It was a very weird thing to read. Pitch I thought will suit will suit Kill McCord and they're kind of good footballers yeah. and all this. He like, said, well, saying, yeah. "We play here every. We we're used to this pitch, lads. These lads won't like coming down here. I wouldn't paint any picture other than that." I'd say before the game, he hardly like he hardly said that to the. It sounds like he said we talked about it, unless he was talking amongst his management team, maybe. It'd be a strange thing to say to the team, um, definitely, like, because, like, well, in fairness, like, Kilmacud, they are, uh, like, yesterday's game, like, they kind of showed more to them than they showed in that Dublin County final, and they clearly are a good kind of a ball-playing team when they get the chance to play it, but... um, 
yeah, like it's a strange thing for a manager to say because like Wolf Tones, like what it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't like a tremendous game, but like Wolf Tones showed a bit themselves as well, like at different stages. They got a lovely goal. Keen Ward showed a bit of class there, breaking in. Did you see yeah. the little dummy he gave dummy so yeah. dummy hop? He let let on he was going to shoot just to kind of ghost past the player. Yeah, it was a little, lovely little, little bit. bit of class, like and set up that goal. And there was different stages. Thomas Riley was kind of. In, and it, it was times when he looked like he was going to do a bit of damage. Like they have a bit themselves, so I wouldn't say they they, they were looking to be playing in a bog. Like no, no, definitely you know? not. It, I thought it was a strange one. I'd definitely be pulling Keane Ward up on the free that he missed from the top of the D and nearly fell off my chair. I couldn't believe what I was after seeing, but he redeemed himself. Got sent off then, and overzealous. One thing, Lee. Like I mean, you see these tackles; they're not dirty, but like I mean, you you, you kind of swing in to dislodge that ball anywhere near a fella's chest now, and you're running the risk. You're running the risk yeah. of them overplaying it and it looking at an awful lot worse than it was. Back in my day, you could always go in with a good fist to try and dislodge that ball. Mm-hmm. That's going out of the game now because no, nobody's taking that that punch without kind of, you know, making it look worse than it was. Yeah, that's it. And even if you hit them sort of square on the chest, their neck sort of flings back. Yeah, the yeah, momentum. they look whiplash. It, yeah, exactly. And it, and it looks like, oh God, he caught him in the neck or definitely above the neck anyway. Um, so it is, it's it's definitely a grey area, but it's fallen more into the side that it's 100% a foul and uh, a card in them instances now rather than it isn't. Uh, we're sort of taught, like we're coaching this year, a lot of people are taught just open hands, open hands, it's just safer. But uh, even getting caught in the forearm, forearm sorry, is and sort of... Uh, like a chicken wing uh, hook thing coming in, like it's it's becoming a yeah. more and more um, unacceptable uh, tackle, and referees are quicker to dish out the cards for it. And, and to be fair, like I mean, the the reality of it is, is that how often do you dislodge the ball with that, anyways? Very rarely. Like the the way technically you're supposed to tackle in Gaelic football is you wait till he plays the ball. He has to hop it. He has to solo it. That's when you get your fist in. So in general, now that it's so risky, there's a chance of getting sent off. The reward of doing it is very little because you very rarely dislodge it. And technically, you're not even supposed to do it because you're meant to wait till they play it. You know, so I think that kind of, you know, robust, I would, I always associate it with kind of Michael Murphy. <laughs> like he, he could kill you with trying to, with a, a kind of disguised punch trying to dislodge the ball. But I don't know, I think it's too dangerous now with, with players making the most um, of that contact. One other bit on, on this game before I pass by, I thought it was funny. It's in Colin Key's report in The Independent. He says, uh, us Colchies will love this, of course, about Dublin. Some of the younger Kilmacud players got lost on their way to Navin before <laughs> on the way to the match. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I mean, the Colchies would be like, Jesus, you can't come in and come out of Dublin. They don't know where they're going. They're always in go- They only know the way to Parnell Park or Croke Park. They couldn't find their way to Navin, some of the young lads, now. Like, is, would you not just stick Park Talchin into Google Maps there and follow <laughs> that the whole way? I don't know what... Uh I honestly don't know what the boys must have been at if they, they got lost on the way to it. It's only about half an hour away from Kilmacud Croaks as well, so geez, I don't know what they were at. doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The Glen were very impressive, uh, Lee, against Scotstown. Like, I mean, they're a good team, Glen. Like, I mean, they're they're very good running team. They have a lot of pace around around the team. Like, I mean, it's they're weird. Is it McFall is a machine. Like, I mean, like, what's Rory Galler going to do with Kieran McFall? Like, he's brilliant. They have McKinless who plays that number six role in a similar way, bombing forward and being exciting. Like, does McKinless go wing back, McFall centre back? McFall does such a good job in that working wing forward role. But I almost think his performances as centre back nearly supersede his good performances at wing forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I heard someone talking about it and saying that he sort of plays like a quarterback nearly, you know, um, not just bombing forward because like he still has his defensive duties that he doesn't shrug. He's always the first man back when they lose possession. But like he, when he gets his head up, he sprays some beautiful passes and his kick passing is fantastic, really. Uh, and he's brave with it as well. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't always pay off, but it's like risk reward. And more often they're getting the reward from it. Uh, in ter- like, uh, like it's a headache Rory Gallagher will be happy to have, I'm sure. Um you're right, like Ballandary Starman, he he definitely does a very similar role. But just watching Kieran this year, like I can't really imagine him now in any other position because I've watched so many of Glenn's yeah. uh, matches and like opposition teams, like they can see it just as well as I can see it, but they clearly can't stop it. You know, I mean, and that and that's uh, evidence enough nearly that it's probably his best position. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I mean, the problem is with Derry is that they need forwards. To lose a forward would be a bit of a, you know, of his quality would be a bit of a killer. So it's definitely something that that he needs to think about. Connor Glass was up doing a doing an AFL catch. He put the knee in the in the back, which is illegal, um, in GA. But it 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 looks brilliant. 
Oh, it looked unreal, yeah. And like from the even from the start of the throw in, you just knew that he was going to win that ball. Like Scotson had Kieran Hughes and Darren Hughes out to try and so Glenn wouldn't win the throw in and Connor Glass just up into the sky like it's and won the ball so handy off them, like, you know, and that one as well. I think they were calling it a screamer on Twitter today when you put your knee into someone's back and kind of use that to to get yourself up like but he's some spring on him, Connor Glass, like yeah. he just when he he kind of floats into the sky. I, su- and I suppose it is dangerous, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, getting a knee buried in your back. Is uh, that- it is. It's surely, surely a free, like, you know. Yeah. I think Aiden, did Aidan O'Shea do a really spectacular one in Croke Park uh, not so long ago? I don't know if did he get blown. I suppose not dangerous if you can get high, high up enough to get your knee on someone's shoulder. But if, like, a knee into the back, you know. Yeah, it, I wonder what way, like, it's obviously allowed in the in the in AFL. The AFL so yeah. Like, maybe, I don't know how, how they're allowing it there, really, but... Um, no, Connor Glass just the whole way, like he's such a weapon for the like such a target for the Glen kickouts, they can lamp everyone nearly on top of him, like because like nobody can stop him in the air really. He's so fit as well. And between him and Kieran McFall, they're just up and down the field. And once Glenn have those lads on the ball, like they're they're really hard to stop. And I'd say they'd nearly be favourites for Ulster at this stage, the way they're going. Like. Probably, and they're weird. Like, I mean, they've, they've, of, the very obvious brilliant midfield and the brilliant of McFall and, and their number seven wing back, his name escapes me now. He looks, he's very good going forward. And their full back line. They're, like, they're a very strong team. There's no outstanding forwards. Like, as in, geez, he's definite county. Like, Talon is, is decent. He wasn't great yesterday. You know, their, their corner forward number 13 is a lovely wand of a left foot. I'm not sure if he's county standard. You know, like, they don't have a, a Paddy Bradley, you know. Maybe, and th- maybe that suits them, Lee, in that they're all, ch- they're all kind of chipping in. Yeah, definitely. There's more of a cohesive forward line in terms of everyone having to work together to get the scores on the board. Danny Tallon is capable of racking up big score lines on his day. But um, once you nullify him, then you can be uh, more reliant on other players. But that, that was definitely a comparison that would have been made, you know, uh, with Slack Neil when they were comparing the two teams, saying that they don't have like a Shane McGuigan, you know, who would consistently shoot the lights out game after game. But right. um, like you said, they sort of spread the scores. Uh, Jack Doherty, I thought, was excellent in centre half forward. Yeah, uh, he was good. He yeah. caught two of Roy Began's kickouts. He scored two from play himself, and he won something like four out of the seven frees that were eventually converted by Glenn. So it's like every week that they play, you know, they have someone new that just sort of, not new, but like, someone different steps up to the plate and, and shows themselves and uh, it was an excellent team performance I thought because Scottstown they're no joke yeah were, Scottstown were a tired looking team yesterday though there was no spark about them all the spark was about Glenn all the urgency and all the pace and Scottstown just looked like they've been on the road a little bit too long and then you know obvious the frustration like the two Hughes brothers got sent off we didn't see what Kieran did uh, but the Glenn player was holding his nose anyway so we can put two and two together there and then Darren ran in recklessly uh, McFall ends up grabbing him uh, that would have been a good head to head there uh, Darren Hughes against uh, McFall um, and then even like you saw Rory Began with a like a you know a, kind of a sliding tackle that was you know nasty enough sort of a, a silly kind of challenge yeah they did they kind of they lost the head definitely for, for a finish anyway and I suppose you didn't see much of Scottsdale at all really yesterday like Connor, no real quality Connor, no. Connor McCarthy got a lovely score to start it off, a brilliant one off the left foot, and the crowd behind him sort of went mad. Like, and you're thinking, because Glenn were after starting well, and you're thinking Scotland they might come into it now, but they never really, never really showed Anton. It was all, it was all Glenn, and I suppose that kind of from from the throwing really, Glenn were just they were on top, and Scotland they were getting frustrated and they were tired, and I suppose. Like it must be frustrating for them all the county finals that they've won and to not have really done it in Ulster, you know. And I suppose that team they're probably getting a little bit older now. Maybe they had their chance before, so I think that's their Ulster. Yeah, I think that's their Ulster chance is gone now. I think they were well off the pace uh, yesterday off a young, fresh, uh, you know, team that they seem to have an awful lot more drive. Obviously, Malachi O'Rourke would have known a lot about Scotstown, and you wonder like Kieran Hughes is a like. I, I'd have a lot of time for Kieran Hughes as a player but he absolutely has a short fuse there's no doubt about that like I mean I'm sure Manny Rourke knows that better than me um, Darren less so of a of a short fuse but you know these fellas with a short fuse Lee like I mean they, they can't help it like they you know when a flashpoint comes maybe if they've, if they've made a mistake or something's gone against them and they're already pissed off you drive a shoulder into them and tell them they're useless like you're getting a box back like, no matter what yeah. way you look at it like you can I think these fellas that are totally fiery if you wait for the opportune time you can absolutely get them to react 
Yeah, absolutely. And some players, they just live on that age and they'll tell you that that's actually where a lot of their good play comes from, you know, getting fired up and getting stuck into tackles and everything else. But you can just dip over the age that little bit too much and it results in a sending off. But I do think this was a bit of a masterstroke by Malachi O'Rourke, who maybe just knew the Scottstown team very well because of his time with Monaghan football. He started Connor McDevitt, that was number 22, and due to do a man-marking job on Kieran Hughes. Connor McDevitt was a sub throughout the Derry Championship. But he started against St. Eunans when Emmett Bradley was off injured. And even though Emmett was back in the team this week, uh, he still kept his place. And it was clearly to do this man-marking job on Kieran. And even when Kieran broke free and scored, you could see he couldn't help but celebrate every single point by getting into Connor's face. He, he shouted down at him when he, yeah. Was on, yeah, when he was on the ground. Ex- Exactly. So Connor was obviously at him the entire time, you know, and making him so annoyed that like him scoring was like, that'll shut you up, but it was never going to shut him up. And uh, and he just stuck with him from box to box. And eventually, um, it, it, you know, it worked to charm. Hughes got sent off. And then Connor, you know, with his free roll showed how good a footballer he is and got in the scoreline himself. So, you know, I mean, he, he won that battle, you have to say. Yeah. And it was Connor that was down holding his sore nose then, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a man down as often in a game. He was down, <laughs> he was down about four or five times, like, but he definitely he definitely won that battle anyway because it was a sad sight at the end, at the very end of the TG Carr coverage. It was just Kieran Hughes walking away I saw that, towards yeah. the tunnel and there was now like kind of patting on the back, but it was just a disappointing end for him because he is such a good player, like, you know, and disappointing the way it turned out in the day. Yeah, no, definitely. He was getting dogged from start to finish and look, he, re- he reacted, I suppose. That was it. Ballyhill Shamrocks had a, a win. We got, I got criticism for not covering this game last Thursday. I think it was a Mount Leinster Rangers. I don't think it was from Ballyhale anyway. They've had enough bloody, you know, plaudits and everybody knows how good they were. It was Mount Leinster Rangers who had a dreadful start to this game, 10-2 down and got it back to three points uh, late on and then Ballyhale ra- uh, rallied to win by six um, in the end, but a very positive performance by by Mount Leinster Rangers, something that they can absolutely build on. Yeah, well, we were talking about that eight weeks that the Wexford boys had to wait to play in Leinster, and Mount Leinster Rangers were the exact same. same. Thing. Like I think it was eight or nine weeks they had, and as well as that, they were playing against strong wind in the first half. So Ballyhale kind of they started well. Like Adrian Mullen had three points before before, before it was even ten minutes played. Like and it was Brian Cody was doing very well. He he's been brilliant all year really for. For Ballyhale, like he's just a he's own code, his brother, but he's like he's a powerhouse in midfield, and he's right. he t- he scored a, a few brilliant points there at the weekend. But Joe Cuddy, he added again. He's a new face there yeah, this year. Like he's been a great addition to the wing forward, just a great man to take a score. And like Ballyhale, in fair, like Mount Leinster Rangers, they kind of Ballyhale let them back into the game, but. You always, you always had the, you always had the sense that Bally, Bally Hale would would do enough. But there was one stage, um, Joy Holden was beaten to the ball by Chris Nolan, like he'd be Mount Leinster's their star forward, like plays for Carlo and all, and he got through, and he hand passed across the square to his brother John, and he only had Dean Mason to beat from about, I'd say he was only just outside the square, like, and it was a brilliant save in fairness from De- from Mason. He was put under a bit of pressure by, I think it was Holden getting back. But that was a huge chance because it would have been down to one point. Right. Or I think it could have even been level then. It was 57 minutes gone. Like, so, wow. like Ballyhill, they were living dangerously for a while, but all through the game and even after they missed that chance, it was all Owen Cody. Like, he's been, he's been amazing this year, really. Like, he's, he's hurling a bit. He reminds me of John McGrath, the way he's hurling. He's kind of just, he gives a little shimmy. He's always finding himself. He's always able to buy that bit of space to, to, to have the strike for yeah. himself. And, he was he scored a few brilliant points yesterday, just like a wizard, just popping them over the bar, like and he's hurling the, the stuff like he's been hurling well for the last few years, but he's hurling as good as he's ever been now, um, the last few weeks and like he's two in a row young hurl of the year like he is like in the next few years I'd say he'll be something special for something Kenny, special like, yeah, yeah but like in fairness that the young hurler of the year there like I mean he, True. you know they haven't been the necessarily outstanding candidate Connor Phelan um, he was Mount Leinster Rangers manager Kilkenny man he's in the Kilkenny backroom team so he obviously would have known a little bit so his stock kind of rises a little bit after a performance like that definitely yeah and in fairness like Mount Leinster Rangers they are like any time they do get through Carlo they are like it's it's been St Mullins and them. It's always St Mullins and them, really, in the Carlow finals. But the two of them have done well in Leinster. Like St yeah. Mullins got to the Leinster final only two years ago, and Mount Leinster Rangers. Any time they get there, should they got to the All Ireland club final in 2013? They just have they have something about them. Like and they're they're well able to hurl these boys. And like your man Dennis Murphy, he was playing back in 2013. He scored 12 points there at the weekend, and 
do you know they're not they're not bad at all like and they put it up to senior hurling teams as they're shown in Leinster they put it up to them anywhere like any, yeah. any county no they definitely are well able to the match on RT on Saturday night Kilku beat Ramor United handy enough really um, in the end we all know about Kilku we said it last Thursday that they're a very good team play the game and uh, you know at pace they're not too much into the sideways stuff they like a kick pass uh, when it's on they move the ball down the field and they generally you know they look like natural footballers like I mean the big talking point um, that I saw coming out of the game was Eugene Brannigan playing left half back wearing leggings uh, Lee like I mean how is this lad not ran out of Kilku Kilku are sheep farmers uh, it's they're 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 up a mountain, are they, uh, Lee? And this lad is going to go on a cold night and need leggings to warm up his legs. Now, maybe there's listen, maybe there's a medical reason uh, that this was done. Now, not that I can think of, but if you're a Kilku sheep farmer and you need leggings out on a, a Gaelic football field, I don't know, soft. Oh, oh, Don. Um, I actually watched this in the pub with a few friends, and it caused a fierce debate. <laughs> I'm sure it and we had to sit and work it out fairly. So we came to the conclusion that uh, the only acceptable time to wear them is if you're a goalkeeper. We allowed that. That yeah. was as far as we were willing to go. Uh, an outfield player should never wear it. And then someone did raise the point of like a medical condition or an injury at some point. But I was thinking like. If it's your right leg, say, that's hurt and that somehow helps it, then you've got to at least cut the leg off the left one and make it very obvious that you're doing this because of injury and it's nothing to do with the weather or being <laughs> soft. You know, you have to be upfront with that sort of behaviour because it's just not on. Like, if you can't wear a bicycle short and a sock pulled up to your knee, how much of your leg do you need to, like, I mean, number one, you don't need to do either of those things. Like, I mean, you'll warm up after five minutes. Now, I have to hold my hands up. Owen Moore from Owlart de Bala. Uh, 2013 now that we're mentioning Mount Leinster Rangers I was watching that game at home on TG Cahar and I remember tweeting because uh, this was a very close game and Mount Leinster Rangers beat them completely <coughs> against the odds and Owen Moore was wearing black leggings and I remember tweeting after the game I says we've learned one thing today here lads you don't win Leinster finals in leggings right and they got a, they got a huge reaction even Rory Jacob from Owler de Bella got fierce sore <laughs> with me over this you know and he, he explained in a series of tweets that it was because of a knee injury. Now, I still didn't buy that. What kind of knee injury needs a bloody, needs leggings? You don't need leggings. You don't need gloves. Like, I'm thinking of soccer players wearing gloves. They don't need those gloves. You're soft if you're wearing this stuff. I don't care if you call me old-fashioned and not with the times. That's the way it is. Leggings, no. No, no. Not for a challenge match. I would accept them slightly in a very, very cold winter night training. You might wear, you'd see lads in leggings. But a championship match... You've never worn them, have you? <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. I might <laughs> I have know. worn them to training. I might have worn them to training on some really, really cold night. I can't remember. Yeah. It's, it's not something I'd do in a in a match now, to be honest, because I just don't think they're as comfortable and they're a bit annoying, like, but... They are. And you will get the slagging on top of everything else, like, but I suppose... Um, like Eugene Brannigan, I'm not sure is he is he a sheep farmer, but he's, he, in fairness to me, like, he's a tough... He is a tough, he's a tough player and he's up and down the field no end. So I'd say if you're, if you're known to be as tough as Eugene Brannigan, you have to be. You have to <laughs> you've be. earned the right so to wear them. You've earned the right. I think you have <laughs> to earn Matt the right Falk to wear them. could wear them and none of us would say a word. <laughs> could. I wouldn't go near him. I wouldn't say anything to him. So. It's probably truly, if Kieran McFall wore leggings the next day, I probably wouldn't criticise it. He's earned the right to wear them. I don't think Brannigan has done that yet. If Kieran McFall is wearing them, then I'm going to be wearing them in the next <laughs> match as well. Like, it's, it's, if you get away with it, for sure. Um, no, I, I begin, or I've been known to wear them at uh, a training session or two, or whatever. But like, uh, no, in a match, I don't know. Uh, you're just asking for it. Then. But maybe that is what he was doing. He was trying to hoax them in. Come on, get stuck into me and then I can show you a thing or two. But uh, definitely not for me. You, you made a comment here earlier on to me, and I actually wrote it down on my on my uh, on my list here. He said, "For mountain Kilku, for mountain men, they've an awful lot of posers on the team." <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, some people might call me a mountain man as a sheep farmer as well, and I'd say I've definitely been called a poser a few times as well. So I'd say the Kilku lads, if they're that's a stereotype of sheep farmers, and I think it's a very unfair stereotype. But when you're a sheep farmer yourself, you can say whatever <laughs> you want to do. So. There's no, there's no trouble there. But if the Kilku boys are, are listening, they should take that as, as a huge compliment. Yeah, well, the big compliment is that Kilku are a brilliant team and we knew that. They're All-Ireland champions. They could easily have been All-Ireland champions. They, they had Corrafin in all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, uh, the Johnson brothers, excellent again the other night. Um, 
and we know how good they um, we know how good they are. So we're only having a bit of crack with Eugene. Well, I'm no, I'm not having a bit of I'm having a bit of crack on Eugene Brannigan. I want a message to go out that this this is not acceptable in Gaelic games. Unless Her- you've earned the right, in fairness, yeah, we, we give him that one. <laughs> okay, continue on. Oh yeah, I want to give Sean McAvoy uh, from Ramor a uh, shout out. He got the first goal of the game, and it was a beautiful little goal. So it was. I saw it described as a soccer goal. I would. I, okay the finish was, was soccer because it fell out of his hands but I would think that the winning the ball in front turn and facing his man and the sidestep was was what I thought was the most impressive thing got around, got around his man um, lovely he's only a young player uh, Niall Sean McAvoy yeah I'd say the reason they were calling it a soccer goal is because this fella's been playing for Ireland under 17 under 19 teams in uh, European right. championships and I think he's up in like the North, the League of Ireland up in Northern Ireland. He's playing with a club up there as well, like and uh, like. Apparently, he's a he's a brilliant soccer soccer goal or soccer player. So I'd say that's why they just wanted to get the little reference in there. But he he was brilliant in the Cavan Championship as well. He's real kind of a buzzy corner forward, yeah. and he showed it all for that goal. Just showed pace and a bit of trickery as well, and brilliant finish on the half volley. What I, what I love about it is that like you win a ball out in front of your man, right now. And I learned this as I went on as in the full forward line. You win the ball, the best thing you do, the minute you get the minute that ball hits your chest, you try to turn to face your man. Then you can go left or right. Whereas if you keep your back to your man and you kind of have to loop left or right. Do you know what I mean? But if you can get that turn and he's not close enough to you. So, so what I actually did for anybody listening, you know when you jump to collect the ball into your chest? By the time I came back down onto my feet, I was trying to get I was trying to get turned. So when I got down on my feet then, now you can go throw your shoulder down one way and you're gone the other way I'm telling you trust me you'll beat your man so much easier than you know collecting it keeping your back to him and trying to turn left or right if you do that generally good defenders will meet you on say you're predominantly left footed he'll know you're going to loop around that side and he'll nail you within you know he'll be on top of you whereas if you can somehow jump collect the ball into your chest and get a turn facing him now they don't know what to do with you because the you know the drop of the shoulder um, but I thought Sean McAvoy um, did that very well when he won it in front he he made sure to turn and face his man immediately and now go at him and, and go left or right anyways um, I thought that was impressive so the club championships as I always say continue to to deliver We've covered so far the games on TV and I was at the Port Arlington um, game. These are the games that weren't on television. Extra time thrillers, uh, Lee. I always say this is the best time of the year. We're seeing, learning so much about the best teams in all the different counties. Wolf Tones, Glen. You know, we know knew about Kilmacook Crokes. Ho- hopefully teams will see Port Arlington. You know, just you're exposed to way more, uh, way more good players that you wouldn't have known only you know, only supporters within each county kind of know. And now we're all seeing them. Have to pull you up on this though, Lee, the first extra time. So I, there's nothing I love more. He might have beaten me on the sports psychology stuff, but this Tyrone <laughs> club, <laughs> this Tyrone club football, like, I mean, I'm going back to my original argument. Tyrone have not won an Ulster title since Ergil Kieran in 2002. They have not made a final since 2002. Yes, they have an outstandingly exciting championship, one that we all like, and that 8 to 10, amazingly, 8 to 10 teams could potentially win it. But the standard isn't great. Discuss. <laughs> well, I would make the argument that uh, Tyrone are actually the most consistent team in Ulster championship history because uh, we know what we're going to get from them and they go out, they do it every single time. They get knocked out pretty early. But... Um, <laughs> In in oh in Dremore's defence, like they didn't put a bad account of themselves uh, against Derry Gonley. Derry Gonley, I think, are criminally underrated a little bit as well. Uh, they were very unfortunate in the sense that Emmett uh, McNabb had to come off pretty early, and obviously they're very reliant on him with the scores. Um, and then they were a point up, and they looked like they were going to win the game. The game was they were shutting up shop. Uh, they were passing it among themselves, but it was sort of hard to see with the stream I was watching. It was like a slippy surface and one of the players fell. They broke free. They got a free kick or Derry Gonley got a free kick and well over 40 metres out with, against this ferocious wind that was annoying the whole game and upsetting the flow of the game. He kicks a monster score and with the, that was Connell Jones and with the, their tails up, they just rallied on in uh, extra time. But in terms of Jerome football finally making a push in Ulster, you're definitely going to need to see a team win at least two titles, county titles in a row 
uh, in Tyrone, you know, and getting a bit of Ulster experience and then going back into Ulster with a with a similar enough team, you know, and they can actually benefit from that experience. Because yeah. it's always these large gaps before they one particular team gets back in again. I see. I don't buy that. Like Derry Gonley beat Trillick, who were probably the most consistent team in Tyrone over recent years. I think it was two years ago. The, the year Matty Donnelly, you know, uh, I think he did his hamstring terribly. That went to extra time as well. But like, I mean, this is Tyrone clubs not able to beat the Fermanagh champions. I accept all the idea Derry Gonley are overrated, but Derry Gonley now they're no Cross McGlen or they're no Glen. Or you know they're they're well I'm giving Glenn a huge compliment there throwing him into cross but with cross club they're all slot Neil for example the reality is like I don't accept the point that Tyrone clubs are happy with winning Tyrone yes they're happy winning Tyrone Tyrone footballers are lunatics they're probably the most you know driven winning win at all costs uh, players that I've ever come across like they're they're mad they're mad and it, like even just shown by example the way they're able to beat Monaghan you know have the COVID thing beat Kerry beat Mayo and win in All-Ireland that was never expected they're, they're, they're winners right and that filters right throughout uh, club football within Tyrone it's massively competitive on borders on killing each other it's so competitive um, there is no way I can accept that Tyrone clubs come out of Tyrone now they're representing the whole of Tyrone and that they're not going bald-headed to win an Ulster Club title for their county. I don't accept that they're just happy with their with their count with their county uh, title. Oh, no, nor would I. I definitely wasn't implying that Tremor were totally content with winning a, a Tyrone Championship. I just think that having experience definitely pays a part. Although then you could use the argument that Glenn obviously were never in Ulster before, and, and yeah. they're doing very well uh, this time around. Um, but it's like I said, like Tremor did, they went uh, hell for leather. They didn't have their best forward. Or, you know, their high scoring for it on the pitch, and they still, you know, they managed to get it to extra time, and they really looked like they were going to win it. Um, I don't, I mean, there's no one particular answer. Like, it, uh, it definitely seems like even the, the fact that Trillick are arguably the, the most consistent team in Toronto, but even then, they won it in 2018 and then 2015, and that was it, you know, before that was the 80s. So, like, it's not like they were hugely overall dominance, like, it is just so well divided within the championship and split that it's hard to get them any sort of momentum then going uh, after a county title and, and getting used to uh, being champions and, and bringing it forward. But like, it's not an excuse by any means, you know, they just came up against the Derry Gonley side who managed to pip them in the end. Yeah. And sure. Okay. So we'll move on from that. We'll just agree that Tyrone Club Championship is brilliantly exciting, but the standard isn't, isn't that great. I think Lee's after agreeing what was there. It was kind of a roundabout <laughs> way he was going, but uh, it's not, no, I, I think he's that. after giving it to us there. <laughs> In another absolutely incredible game, Clonairan beat Cregan. Cregan, absolute heartbreaking stuff from them. There's highlights of this on BBC uh, Northern Ireland Twitter account and on the website um, as well. So there were six up at halftime, Cregan were. There were seven up into the second half and then uh, Clonairan made this big comeback. Cregan were still two up in stoppage time and Clonairan still managed to score the two points. And if anybody wants to see Tiernan Kelly's free at the end, so I'll describe it a little bit, but again, it's online if you want to Google it. Tiernan Kelly um, has a free, and I'm not sure he's a free taker, but like, I mean, this was maybe a metre outside the 45 and a metre in from the sideline. Like, it's not a kickable free. Not in these conditions, not in winter, not in winter time, but it was almost like the last kick of the game. And he boomed it over the bar. Like, I mean, an absolutely incredible kick considering the pressure, um, Niall, and considering Turbot is the free take, well, he's probably the right footed free taker. I think the umpire must have thought it wasn't a kickable free either because after it boomed up into the sky and you could kind of see the mountains beyond the ball, it was gone so high, it landed down and lamped the umpire on the back. Like, he was kind of <laughs> bending down and he gets a belt to the ball. But it went way over the bar. Well, it was well over, yeah. Like, and it was a it was a brilliant kick because he wasn't he wasn't hitting the freeze earlier in the game. Your man Turbot was, and it's like to bring him onto it. The last, like, it was the last roll of the dice. I say it was down. like, who's got a boom and kick here, lads? Who can cover this distance? And you know, that, and he seems to have a fair old boom and boom and kick on him. No, it was it was it was brilliant. Like, because um, you know, like that was the last chance as well, and there was a lot of pressure riding on that kick, and they needed him to score and. He stepped up when they when they needed him and they took off then in extra time. The the goal, I'm not sure what the wing forwards in to got the goal next time, but it was a brilliant finish into the corner as well. And they took off from there. And like the Ulster Championship, it's it's fairly exciting this year, isn't it? Like between Glenn going well and 
the Tyrone teams well sure maybe we expected them to lose any of it but um the, no, it was uh, it was definitely those highlights were watching there in the BBC. Yeah, they are. Have a look at them. Kevin Small is a player. Um, he scored four from Playley. Um, he only came on against as a sub against Armagh. And if you watch from the highlights, just this lad looked like an absolutely sensational player. Yeah, he looks um, fantastic. Um, it's it's funny when you see that like these players, oh, they, you know, they play a county, but you say it was only a sub and like. It, it, it just doesn't do them any justice. You instantly sort of judge them based on that. But <laughs> well, I have a then, problem then with they, subs. Yeah. Well, then they come on. Um, you see them in club football, and they're, and they're just completely dominant, and they're you know the bright spark. And then a lot of that's down to like what way your team plays football. It maybe suits club better than it does county, or just with the managers, or there's a hundred different reasons. But he was it was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, and lovely left and right footed uh, player, lovely balanced player, lovely big player, and like I mean, um, Enda McGinley. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe there's some stuff that then again, I'm not going to make a judgment off uh, of seeing maybe two or three scores in the highlights. But I'd like to see more of Kevin Small. He's uh, 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 for Craig and, and for Armagh. So, yeah, or for and for Antrim. Um, a rugby, Glockmore Castellani. Glockmore Castellani uh, dream is over in the football after extra time. Who would have, uh, you know, nobody's going to be surprised about that. And no one's going to be surprised at who kicked the equalising score for Lockmore Castellani to bring it extra time. John McGrath. <laughs> who else? Who else is it going to be like? And holy shit! I, it's just yeah. Apparently, it was a great score as well. It came straight from the kick out. I'm not sure whether he caught it or whatever, but he scored that one. And then when the game went to extra time, he kicked a 40 meter free to put them one point up. And you were kind of thinking, here we go again, like because the whole way through the game, Aero Guinness, they were up. They kind of had a two point cushion the whole way through, and. Lockmore, as they've been doing the whole the whole way through the season, they kind of clawed their way back into it, and they got there right for the finish. Um, in fairness, the extra time it it probably was just a step too far. Like it's the 18th week in a row now, and maybe maybe the legs were a small bit tired, but that probably is a disservice to Airog in fairness because they've got some brilliant players as well, like a lot of lads who play for Clare, and they seem to just kick on and got two good goals when they needed them. Like so. Um, I think Listen, the, the, the Lockmore Castellani, I saw a clip on Twitter, Lockmore Castellani supporters like, you know, came down on the pitch and clapped all their players in off the field at the end as in yeah. thanks very much for the for the journey. It's no surprise in fairness the 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 joy they brought to those supporters in the last few weeks. An extra um, time again. Ex- yeah, I know, it's just it was cla- it had to go all the way really when it was Lockmore. But you kind of just think like, do you know, I, I I suppose as as more of a hurling person in Tipperary, I nearly have have higher hopes for Lockmore in the hurling championship. I know right. they have to play Ballygunner next weekend, and like that'll obviously be a big a big ask after going to extra time this weekend. But where are they going to win the Munster football? I I don't know. Like I'd, you'd fancy like you know you'd fancy maybe St Finbars or Austin Stacks. They probably be the favourites for that now. But I give Lockmore every chance against Ballygunner next weekend, and if they were to beat Ballygunner, like. To not have the football probably at this stage now, like after 20 weeks, it, 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 it wouldn't do them any harm, I'd say, anyway. Right, well, we'll leave that preview for Thursday. Well, I'll give them no chance against Belly Gunner. So we'll just, we, can, we can argue about that um, on, on Thursday's show. You, you, the one team that you left out there of your, you're talking about St. Finbars, you're talking about Austin Stacks. What about Newcastle West? So I dismissed New, Newcastle West as complete all-sarans two years ago. There was no Munster Club last year. Two years ago, they were playing Nemo Rangers. I don't think even I don't think I even uh, gave it a, a mention on the show. Yeah, that's a one-sided win, anyways. It was one nine to nine points. Newcastle West, Ian Corbett's team, really making uh, good strides, and they beat the Nair eight um, six. Didn't sound like a classic um, at all, but they're definitely a team that's on the up. Uh, Newcastle West, so they have to play Austin Stacks next. Look, they beat, they, there's no doubt. They'll, they'll be up against it but it definitely deserve a mention um, that they're on the rise in in the Nair's uh, defence they weren't at their full strength um, their manager was saying after the game we had a bad week we lost five players with Covid then we lost Shane Ryan to a hamstring uh, we lost key players like Jamie Barron and our captain James McGrath I don't think I'm not sure if that's on top of the five with Covid and uh, Shane, Shane Ryan with the hamstring or it, it is within that but anyways, like I mean, that was it. That was eight six. Um, New Newcastle West definitely deserve a shout out. Another one that we we wa- wanted to mention was Knockmore. Um, they beat Turlestran. Um, Knockmore last got into a Connacht final in nineteen ninety seven. I'm sure Knockmore won the All Ireland that year. They beat A Rogue in the semi final. Um, for sure, that was that great A Rogue team back in the back in the in the nineties. 
um, that that was in Mullingard. I think there was something about that on television, maybe during one of one of the lockdowns. They're back in the in the Ulster final. Turlestrand uh, were doing really good. I think it was eight six winning, and uh, Knockmore scored five of the last six points or something like that um, to catch them towards the end. So they deserve a mention. I'm sure we have left out some sort of matches, lads. But like I mean, at the end of the day, we'd only be listing out little bits of uh, of results at this stage. Other bit of news over the weekend, Lee, just to finish up, is Paddy McGrath. Um, has retired for Donegal so you know old school cornerback um, kind of a real man marking cornerback that he started out as and then he kind of turned himself into like all cornerbacks did then notions about getting up the field yeah absolutely and what a player for Donegal he's been it's my, like he's only 32 so you know he's by no means uh, old but he's yeah, been he's sort mileage, of hampered yeah. yeah he's hampered by injuries as well like I think he did his cruciate and 2019 against Mayo in the in the Super 8s and that's always something that's really hard to come back with and something that you need to like constantly manage then from for the rest of your career nearly so probably that wet way to um uh, wait on him in terms of making this decision but yeah 12 years with Donegal uh, he's won an All-Ireland title he has that in his back pocket he's got five Ulster medals as well and I think he's got two Division 2 uh, medals too if they mean anything to him but you know his, his trophy cabinet's full he's, he's legendary status in the hills of Donegal as well I'm sure he can retire completely happy with his, his county career what, what What's that like in Tipperary being a big uh, you know traditional hurling county like I mean if you don't have an All-Ireland is it you know are you kind of seen like you know are you seen as a bit of a ah, he doesn't he, did, he never won one like almost a little bit of sympathy on that chap I suppose I'm, I'm kind of yeah like that's for an the ex-county way, player that's the way you kind of think of like any of the great players isn't it when they haven't won a All-Ireland medal we like do you know, do you know well, not really in leash now because we never win them but in a, in a county right. like Tip where every decade you're going to win one and then you have a chap that never really got you know he, geez, he's no All-Ireland yeah chap. I suppose I'm, I'm trying to think of like the best Tipperary players who who didn't win an All-Ireland um, I'm not sure who, who kind of springs to mind but I suppose it would be um, it would be something that you kind Paul of Paul Shelley no like it is something that like I suppose when yeah with Tipperary like you kind of expect to win an All-Ireland every every five or every ten years at least like and if if a lad is a good hurry you'd want you'd you'd hope that he would would retire at once you know yeah retire at once so Paddy McGrath congratulations um, on a great career and I'm sure there's a lot of corner forwards glad that you're gone right we'll leave it there lads that's all we've time for today we'll be back though on Thursday and we'll preview all the provincial championship matches then. So we'll talk to you all then. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. <laughs> he was massive. Legs, <laughs> ass, built. But I burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs>